Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cosplay Bites, the show that's on convention coverage, cosplay news, cosplay topics, and all that sort of good stuff. All that good stuff, whatever. Uh, <laughs> today, for the start of May, I've got Mink the Seder on board with me. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, good. Before we get into the main stuff, just quick little uh, housekeeping stuff. Um, the show, you can listen to it on Anchor, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it if you guys were able to rate and review the show because it helps a lot, helps boost my audience, boost the reach and all that. Um, upcoming blog post uh do things going on this week um you guys are going to get stuff early like starting tomorrow so you can have features on kiss a frog cosplays tiana from the disney movie uh struck first on itioru cosplacado as nero from dmc5 and then you got uh petite ebby cosplay as kiki from kiki delivery service and Falafel Cosplay as Meta Knight. So that's pretty much in a couple of weeks for you. And uh, patron shout outs. Uh, shout out to all my lovely patron people that are supporting me um, Coralia Jade, Kat Yuska Moonfox, Mink the Seder. Hey, I know her. Hey, I know her too. Noah Wilson, Oh My Sophie, and Shaylin. And. Let me see here. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Mink, what have you been up to lately? Um, well, actually, I uh, survived another year of Free Comic Book Day, which is usually the first weekend in May each year. Yep. Um, for those uninitiated, Free Comic Book Day is a day where... Um, Comic book stores, as well as some libraries nationwide, give away these free promo comics that are produced by larger comic book companies um, as a way of getting new fans into the genre. So they're usually like little teaser comics, but they're very, very cute. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of uh, comic book stores and libraries will do these big promotional hype events. So I was in. Uh, Manchester, New Hampshire this Saturday, um, helping out with Double Midnight Comics, which is a comic book store. Um, I got to do the judging for their costume contest. Oh, wow. That must have been fun. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see people, but because it was an all-day event, um, I didn't get to see everyone in costume. Thankfully, uh, Rodney Brown over at Nerd Caliber took photos throughout the whole day. So when we were doing our judging, some of the judging was based off of photograph rather than based off of the person being actually at the event. Right. Yeah, I, I keep hearing a lot of good stuff about Double Midnight Comics overall at the comic book store. So it's a really big comic book store. I really. So I live in the Greater Boston area, and there are a lot of great comic book stores that I go to. Um, Kamikaze in Davis Square is my personal favorite, but yeah. because it's in Boston, it's smaller because, you know, that's, it's a city. Um, a lot of tiny not buildings. to say that Manchester, New Hampshire isn't a city, but they've got a little bit more space. So they definitely spread out and that means that they can, um, they can just have uh, a greater space to do more events and things. So comic, free comic book day. Uh, they wound up having a couple of things going on at the same time. Yeah. Yep, I participated in that also uh, at my quote-unquote local comic shop, uh, Newberry Comics, um, which, I mean, it, it's sort of a, a chain store around New oh, England. Sure. Yeah, because I know they've got a couple in Boston. You better believe it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always... It's always hilarious. I see the same people every year <laughs> in the line, when I go to line up. Some of them are in costume. I always, I gotta do one year in costume. Oh, Just you absolutely do. Yeah, because I know one girl is a Black Widow. Her 
friend with a Spider-Man, and then yeah, just the same. I saw one girl dressed up as one of the um, Wakanda Royal Guards for Black Panther. Oh, cool! Uh, they had they had a um a, a stand for the Ocean State Ghostbusters group. Oh, very nice. Which was interesting. I mean, I didn't really stop by their booth outside the store. I just went in, and got my comics, and then went out. But I mean, they had a charity raffle going on, and they had, I think, maybe I think they had their little Ghostbusters van. Probably didn't, but they were all dressed up in the outfits. Um, and yeah, I the I mean, they probably did have promotional stuff going on, like buy one graphic novel, get another half off, or whatever. But they also have like the grab bags of comic books, which I didn't get this year because there wasn't really any grab bags that interested me enough because I know I did go crazy one year. Um, yeah, some of the uh, some of the free comics were good. They're cute little stories. They had a Pokemon one. They did. I didn't get it. I got okay. I got the Marvel one. Uh, Ninja Turtles, and then I got the like Year of the Villain DC comic one, which was twenty five cents, and um, they were good. I just the Ninja Turtles one. I guess they had a reading guide, like a chart of like reading collected volumes. Like here, now you can follow the story, and it had all their all their spinoffs and micro stories. And they're just like, oh my god, this costs like a hundred hundred dollars, like to get 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 caught up. They had like twenty. Well, has been around for a long, long time. Well, yeah. Well, this is like the recent IDW Nickelodeon took over their comic run, but it's like twenty-one volumes of collected stuff. Like, holy smokes! That's a lot. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so I guess, listeners, the take-home of all of this is: if you don't know about Free Comic Book Day, you have one year to uh, get yourself excited for the next one. It's usually around that Cinco de Mayo time. Like I said, it's usually the first weekend in May. Yeah. first Every first Saturday in May is Free Comic Book Day. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I have other stores that people will mention while in line to go stop. Like, they'll stop the Toy Vault. They'll stop it. But, um, we have a store called the Time Capsule down in Cranston, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun day. I got a nice coffee and that helped make the waiting go down or go by fast. <laughs> Which is just always a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, I noticed if you guys didn't see, um, on her Facebook, um, Mink actually just debuted, kind of debuted at the con we're going to talk about later. Um, you know I mean, she just released finished shot of her KDA take on Jolteon. <laughs> I got, I mean, I got one of the shots as my laptop background, and it's just like, oh, gosh. But she, did, you. you're welcome. She debuted at, at PAX East, which is the main, so, somewhat main top, because I know we covered, I covered PAX East. With Akakioga um, last month, but we're gonna take a little bit of a different spin. You might hear some of the same stuff, so I apologize if that's the case. But Mink well, you won't hear the same stuff because I'm a different person. I mean, I can't, I can't stop you from saying the same things, but well, yeah. I'll hopefully be a little different because I'm a different human. <laughs> well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like, you ran some panels at Paxies. Yeah, I ran a panel at PAX East this year. I ran two panels um, at PAX East last year. Right. But we're going to talk about this year. Yeah. Stuff. This year. You ran, uh, did you run panels at PAX East this year? Yeah, I ran a panel. Um, oh, a I panel. would have loved to have done two panels, but uh, the reality is that they had scheduled me for a time I could not do. Uh, they scheduled me for a Thursday which um, I'm unable to go to PAX on Thursdays, typically because uh, even though I live very close, I can't take that many consecutive days off from work. Right. 
Right. So uh, Thursday was was straight out for me. PAX is really awesome. If you are slated to do a panel, they will give you passes for the weekend, which is really, really kind and super nice of them. Oh, yeah. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes the reason I don't have a Thursday pass is not because I either A, couldn't afford it or B, couldn't get it in the queue. Sometimes it's simply because I can't take the time off from work. Yeah. It's always the catch. The spirit is willing, but yeah. when you're a teacher, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, real life gets in the way. So, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, again, Packy's video game convention under the Packs. Um, brand, mainly it honestly started out as the Penny Arcade webcomic, and then it just grew into, hey, let's do some conventions. So they did, and PAX East is the one representative for the East Coast, because there's also PAX it's South. All PAX West now. <laughs> there's, there's no longer PAX Prime, it's PAX West. Yeah, there's PAX South. PAX South, that's in Texas. Right? And then there's Pax Australia. Pax Australia. Yeah. Which and then they also have Pax Unplugged. Which is all tabletop. Yes. Games and whatnot. Yeah, that's weird. They go several cons in the US and then boom, hey, here's Australia. You get one too. Well, there's a very big um, gaming industry out in Australia. Really? Yeah. So, like, for example, um, Borderlands. Three, I believe it was, was almost entirely produced in Australia. I believe, like, pretty much entirely produced there. I, I, wow, I had no idea the gaming industry was that huge in Australia. That that's why they, okay, I learned something new. <laughs> um, I attended one day because I could. Um, could, I didn't want to take that many days off from work. Also. But I attended one day, mostly hung out with my friend, ran around trying to find a couple of cosplayers. I found you at the last second. It's true. Right when I was about you to were telling me You were just about to leave when we ran into each other. We literally ran into each other on an escalator. Escalator, yep. And um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to bring a cosplay. I mean, I would have if I was going for more than one day. So that, sure. that could have been Riku's test run, but I was like, eh, I'm going one day, took the train, really don't want to deal with all the, carrying all this giant keyblade and all that oh, stuff. Sure. Um, there will be other cons where you can encumber yourself with a giant keyblade. This will yeah. neither be the first nor the last opportunity you have. No, yeah. I mean, I was successful in getting New York Comic Con tickets when they went on sale on Sunday. That's right, that's right. So that's all set. But um yeah, Nintendo had a booth. Borderlands three had their proper reveal. They had a panel and everything. So that was interesting. Yes, they did their reveal on Thursday, which again made me quite sad because I missed the big reveal. But many of my um Borderlands three Border Fam cosplayers were um were present and accounted for there. And Borderlands is actually incredible in the sense that um they are always so big about like making sure their cosplayers are um, are well taken care of, shall we say? So they made sure that the cosplayers had like a whole section at PAX dedicated to where they were going to sit for the big reveal, and they were just really big about like the promotions. And if I remember right, um, uh, the cosplayer. Lebanak got, or or no, it was Mengalu. They're they're a duo, and I always uh, confuse which which sister is whom. So Mengalu is a really big uh, Borderlands cosplayer, and she was actually contacted by the um, like one of the head developers of um, of Borderlands to like at the last minute make a prop to go alongside with with their reveal. So she got some right. stage time. It was really really cool. Right, yeah. Borderlands, that's what I gotta say. That's the in conclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I want to say if I'm right, um, Kelly Jean, who's a cosplayer based in England, in the UK, um, 
she got contacted to help make a Mad Mokti outfit, which I don't think it was revealed yet or debuted yet, but I mean... I don't know if I've seen it yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't been revealed. I just haven't seen it yet. Right. I haven't seen it yet either. But um, she was, I think it was part of a, um, a reveal event they had in England, maybe, or somewhere. I don't know. Not I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting all the details wrong, so oops if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's um, alright. We'll fact check later. Yeah, I know cosplayer slash photographer Darshel Stevens. She she was part of the event, I guess, with their whole Randy Pitchford doing the magic trick in the in the card box, and that was interesting to see. But oh, I know her. She's in the audience. How interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, he's quite the performer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, what else was there? I think we well, didn't really see my panel, so I'm happy to to tell a little bit about. Oh yeah, we could start with that. So <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I think we had the same issue when I pre we talked about it. Me and my guests were like, "So what else was there?" Because <laughs> I could like past Pax East. I would just remember like we the first con I went to. I saw Jessica Negri there with Lollipop Chainsaw, and I yeah. just remember that year, twenty twelve, and my subsequent years I'd go to. Raya would have just a giant presence with League of Legends. Well, Riot wasn't um, here this year uh, for the second year in a row. They didn't have like well, I mean, I guess yes, uh, last year they did have. Um, they didn't have a show floor, but they did have a private room. This year, they didn't have even that. Yeah. Um, which was a big deal for us cosplayers because usually Riot is running something called a cosplayality lounge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice thing that they do where they literally run a um, a place if like you need emergency cosplay repairs or just like need a place to hang out and just decompress for a hot minute. Yeah. No. Yep. So they didn't have that this year, and we were really, we really missed it. It was, um, it was notably absent. But from what I understand, the scuttlebutt is that the, um, that PAX East might be looking into producing their own version of a cospitality lounge. You know, everything's in their infantile stages, but from the word on the street is that that's something that. Um, Paxis is definitely investigating whether it comes to fruition or not is only time will tell. Yeah, no, that would make sense. Um, that would be amazing if it could happen. Yeah. Nintendo had a booth. They had Mortal Kombat, um, Yoshi's Crafted World there. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, social media was there, like Facebook Gaming. Oculus VR, they had a giant middle section with a bunch of indie games where I saw a couple of friends there who were working for some of the indie developers. Um, yeah, that was, um, Bethesda had a booth, I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Um, yeah, I got to spend some time with Danielle Ballou for a little bit. Had lunch with her, it was nice, but, um, Oh, yeah, and I did one. I actually went to a panel. That was one of the last things I did before I left. Um, yeah, no, that was right. I saw you. I was going to leave, but then my friend talked me into staying later. I'm glad I did because it was basically a game night kind of thing that I guess they always have at each year for PAX East. So that was fun. We only got to stay for like one of the games that they um, showcased, which I think was the price was right. Um, until me and one of my friends had to leave and catch the uh, last train going out of Boston that was going to hit up Rhode Island at like 11 o'clock at night. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what goes into panels in terms of like setting it up and wanting to host one for a con so because you did one for Patty this year um and i usually nowadays pretty much 
most of the conventions that I attend, I'm delivering some form of a panel. Um, and I mean, the, the first thing that goes into it, of course, is um, just getting signed up to do it at all. So that usually is a process that happens months before the convention is really hyping. So um, like I'll have submitted PAX panel suggestions like in September or October where PAX itself might be a March or April convention. Right. So you got to know pretty much months in advance that you want to do it or have the aptitude the appetite to do it yeah and if you're getting a crew together that means organizing the crew and making sure that you've indicated who is bringing what to the table so when it comes to pax east um, and a couple other conventions i'm usually submitting a panel with two other cosplayers rocket props and v cosplay and we usually do some form of like an introduction to cosplay at these conventions because conventions like PACs are very peculiar. They don't put too much focus on their paneling on cosplay. Right. So they're more interested in seeing beginner or intermediate classes when it comes to cosplay. You're not seeing so many advanced classes, although. PAX East is taking steps to change that. And I got to see a couple of panels this year that were more geared toward uh, more technical or more advanced techniques, which is cool. I right. like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so I wound up doing, we did a cosplay hacks panel uh, the Sunday of PAX East, which was all about how to use materials like found materials yeah. in your cosplay or to do your cosplay very cheaply which thankfully you know a lot of people were really interested in so we had a pretty packed room oh that's good that's always good but like the planning phase is not just submitting and then waiting to the last minute to actually deliver so you have to decide what kind of panel you're going to get and that might mean that you're putting together a slideshow, which I mean, we all at this point know how to make slideshows, but you have to know in advance, am I going to do a slideshow? Am I going to do a live performance element? Is there gonna be an unscripted component? Am I going to have a moderator who leads the panel and then experts who are going to weigh in on a particular topic? So you kind of have to think in advance of how you want the flow to be. Right. So, like, I'm going to be doing a panel at PortCon, which is a convention in Maine um, in June this year, where it's a completely different style than the one that I did at PAX. This one is a, um, a cosplay hoodie-making tutorial. <laughs> and rather than doing a slideshow presentation, I am bringing my sewing machine and an assistant with a camera and so the projector behind me is going to be used to live broadcast what I'm doing on the sewing machine at like the zoom in level. Yeah. And my panel is all live presentation with Q&A folded in so that as we go, I'm demonstrating here's how to make a cosplay hoodie. Ask me questions right now. And when we're done, someone's going to come home, go home with this hoodie. So that's, that's a very different panel than standing in front of a slideshow and going through slides. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like you're doing like a, a creative Twitch stream, like for a live audience, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Which in many ways is a lot easier because rather than reading comments, I can just tell people to shout comments at me. So that, that does have its advantage. Uh, that's the right. one thing I don't like about my twitch stream is that because i don't invite people onto like a discord chat uh which would be incredibly distracting in a different way <laughs> because i don't invite people onto a discord chat in order to see the comments or answer any questions i have to be looking with like a third eye over at a chat <laughs> yeah. 
and reading while I'm doing my work, while I'm streaming, like it, it can be rather uh, complicated. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. You gotta be a multitasker. Got it, yep, absolutely. Um, didn't you participate in a, um, a cosplay shootout panel at PAX? Wasn't there one? Uh, yes, I did. Good memory. Um, well, yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> but that was a very interesting situation. Uh, so the cosplay shootout was a um, it was a panel that was being hosted by some of the folks at Nerd Caliber, and what happened was this is of course at PAX East. They had uh, space available for like an hour and a half, two hours. And they invited cosplayers and photographers or just lay people, whomever, to come to this panel. If you wanted to participate as a cosplayer, you would go into one line and write your name on a little sheet of paper and that would go into a hat. And then the photographers would write their name in a different line and that would go into a different hat. And the panelists at the, at the front of the room literally would just reach into both hats, pull names and partner you up. And you had about half an hour to go anywhere in the convention and take a photo that went with a theme. And this year we voted the theme was game over. Oh. Yeah, there was like oh. a couple of them. Like one of them was like outside the box. And I can't remember what the third one was, but we all hands down agreed that game over had the greatest flexibility and also it was a video game convention. It just felt right. Right. So we had about half an hour to work. And then we got back to the main room where we all very quickly tried to upload photos using like all of the cables on, on the planet. Um, <laughs> oh, it was amazing that the folks who were running the panel did an amazing job making sure they had a pantheon of different cables. So we got, you know, it took a little while, it took about 20 minutes to get that all like uploaded and ready. And then yeah. and what proceeded to happen was one of the most magical things I've ever seen. The panelists were mostly cosplay photographers, well-established cosplay photographers, and like maybe one or two uh, cosplayers. Yeah. So what they wound up doing is they projected everybody's photos up on the big screen and did like a critique. So it was very much like Welcome to Art School again, where we were getting crits on <laughs> the work that we did. And that, some people were really like, oh, I didn't know we were gonna get judged. Some people were like, wow, this is amazing. This is such a good opportunity to feedback because the photographers were like, oh, this is a strong piece. This is what I would do differently. Or if you had the ability to photo edit, which yeah. no one did, like this is maybe what we would do. So it was just a really unique experience and um, prizes were given out at the end for first, second and third place. Uh, it was it was just a really amazing time. I put in yeah. my survey for uh, PAX following the event that I want more of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, from what I I mean, I didn't know all of that. All I heard was that, you know, you get photographers, cosplayers are welcome to come, you get paired up. And I just assumed that the room that you guys had was so freaking large that oh you could just take photos in the room but no you actually went around the convention like on the show floor or wherever you took photos well, it, was, it was late at night it was about like late at night it was eight o'clock on a friday oh, but oh, eight o'clock on a friday in boston in like march meant that there was no light there's no sun at all uh, and okay. uh BCEC, the convention um, location, is notorious for having like terrible indoor lighting. So you couldn't really Ooh. go to the show floor because the show floor closes at six o'clock. Yeah, the expo hall was closed. Or like the expo floor um, is closed. So you were mostly confined to like the immediate outside of PAX and some of the setups that they had uh, uh, nearby in like the panel rooms and things like that, or the hallways. Um, but with half an hour, you didn't have a whole lot of time to get somewhere or to mess with lighting. You kind of had to like quickly chat, go to your, like go to a location. You couldn't really go to more than one. It was like, 
find your location, hang out there, <clears throat> do lighting tests as fast as you can, have a concept in your mind, shoot it, take it, you're out. Like it's it's not a whole lot of time. No, yeah. And, and so it's easier if you have um, cosplayers and photographers who have worked together before or a photographer who's been um, to the BCEC or like has their own kit so they kind of know what they're up against. But yeah. the challenge was that people didn't know each other or maybe didn't have crazy lighting equipment. So we're shooting indoors at night in a place that's already pretty lame for lighting. So it was it was a real challenge for everybody. Oh boy, that sounds fun. <laughs> it was super fun though. I, well, I enjoyed it quite a lot. That's good. That's good. Um yeah, so you wore you debuted um a Raver Venomoth, which was the one I saw in person. Yes. And then with very big shoes. Very big shoes. Very I think one of my friends commented that she they didn't realize that you had an extra pair of arms, which shocked oh, them. Oh yes, I had an extra pair of arms. <laughs> Why am I commenting about the shoes? I had a pair of arms also, just so you know. <laughs> oh, I've been I've been sitting on a pair of mannequin arms in my home for I don't know, like three years. I very much had like all the intention of using it for a different costume. But as I was finishing up the design for my Venomoth, I was like, you know, I really think an extra pair of arms would make this. So it was very fun because people didn't realize I had an extra pair of arms because I would position the fake arms to just kind of be um, hands on the hips. Yeah. And when I was walking around, I would have my real arms do hands on the hips. So they were mirroring each other. But for photos, I would raise my real arms up in the air like a victory pose. And that would just blow people's minds. They'd be like, wait. What am I looking at? What's going on? What so that was that was always a treat. What are you doing with your arms now? <laughs> well, the highest compliment I ever got was from folks who either saw the costume um, in photographs or you know were taking pictures when I did that uh, victory pose, and they were like, "I can't tell which one is your real arms. Like I don't know what I'm looking at." Yeah, there you go. And so that always makes me feel good. I mean, as a crafter, that is the goal. When you can provide an illusion so strong that a person who's looking at you from like a foot away is looking twice and saying like, "What? What am I? What is this? What? Why are my eyes lying? Are my eyes lying to me? What?" <laughs> well, that one was. That's an interesting one because while um, Pax East is the place where I debuted it I had actually taken some photos I want to say maybe two weeks prior and I had posted photos but you couldn't really get a sense for just how wackadoo it was to have multiple arms <laughs> and um when I had posted the photos I realized that the wings that I had made weren't showing up in photos. The wings I made seemed too small given that I had these multiple arms and when I was doing wackadoo positions with the multiple arms, you couldn't see them anymore. Sure. And I'm sitting there like, I am a moth. If you can't see my wings in the photos when I'm doing like crazy hand motions, then I'm effectively just a bug. No, I gotta have my wings. So the, uh, I wanna say, maybe like the weekend before PAX saw me making a, I don't know, five and a half foot wingspan. So Ooh. I remade my wings entirely, made them super massive. Um, but at the downside of not knowing what my new dimensions were. So I was smacking people left and right by mistake <laughs> all of PAX that Friday because oh I hadn't had enough time to play test and to memorize like what space I take up in the universe. So I just kept talking <laughs> people. I was like, I'm so sorry. I have no idea where my limbs and my wings are. Everything's fake. <laughs> this is really what the cosplay struggle is. Everything's fake and I don't know where my limbs are. Yeah. 
and I'm accidentally hitting people I don't mean to hit. Oops. Well, let me put it this way. I am super grateful that the majority of my friends at PAX wear glasses. That's good. It's like it's built-in eye protection. <laughs> and then... Blue, some people needed it. Yeah. The other outfit you wore, which I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, was a KDA cake on Jolteon. So for those who are unaware... KDA is referencing this League of Legends. Um, basically, they, they recreated a K-pop music video featuring some of the um, the female champions that are in League of Legends. And they all had these female, or I guess these K-pop-inspired outfits that eventually became skinned in the game. And so yours was based on... It was based on Akali. Akali. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have one of the images as my laptop background, and, oh. like, oh, oh, my gosh. It's it's so cool. Like, the golden sneakers and... That was the, the costume that, honestly, it designed itself. Because um, if you look at the original skin, the KDA skin for Akali, you've got this girl who's like a little bit you know street edgy more like uh like an in the hood sort of look versus like you know some of the other girls are a little bit more in the the cape side of things like she's kind of uh the kda akali has more of this like urban feel which given like the way her hair spikes and everything it just felt so right to make it um part of my pokemon pantheon and to um, and to attack Jolteon in that way because I knew that I wanted to do the evolutions in a special way, and so this one just felt so naturally right for Jolteon, and everything about it, like from doing the hat to the ears to the jacket to the shoes, everything felt right. So I knew that I wasn't going to just do a recolor, which was pretty. You know, it was pretty easy to do the the recolor, like a reskin of a, a skin. But I knew I was going to need to put in some pieces of flair, some little items that were going to be distinctly Jolteon. And make it Jolteon, I figured, rather than doing yellow for the character, I was going to do everything in gold because I would be able to get some, like, really cool um, gold holographic stuff. So I wound up getting, like, some holographic shoes that light up in crazy colors. Like yeah. it, it was delightful. Um, my baby was the puffer jacket. Um, oh, a colleague yeah. does a crop top puffer jacket in this kind of like blue hologrammy fabric. So I wound up buying some gold hologram fabric that was a stretch fabric. Okay. So I quilted a jacket using that, which was actually a lot easier than I expected. And um, if anyone wants to see some of like the process of how to do that, that's actually on my Patreon, how to make uh, a quilted hologram jacket. <laughs> um, but it seemed, it seems so easy. And what I wound up getting to do that was really boss was I made a patch for the back of my jacket. That was my that favorite instead of it being a dragon, it was a Jolteon um, that I drew in a similar style to the way the Akali jacket has the dragon on the back. Yeah. Uh, and I went to, I um, got it printed in leather from this, um, from this fabric store online that I get all of, anytime I do any fabric design, I always get it printed from this one fabric store, um, bagsoflove.com. And it came out so pretty. So appliquing that onto the back of the jacket, I was just like, I was in love. This was my baby. I wear this jacket to the grocery store. I adore everything. Why not? Oh, the second I finished it, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to buy myself some Victory Apple Juice to the grocery store. Away. And, like, I was wearing a garbage outfit underneath it because I was just, like, in sewing clothes. Who cares? But that jacket, you best believe, was on my body for the grocery store. 
Oh yeah, that that that's gotta be fun when you have something that you just love so much and you can feel like, oh, I could just this could pass up as regular piece of clothing. Yeah, why don't I just wear it every day? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, when I first started sewing, there was this moment where I would like finish a project and I would look at that and project and say to myself like that was flat fabric at some point and now yeah. it's this so whether it was like a stuffed animal or a piece of a costume i'd be like now it's a thing and i would like take it with me i'd like put it in the passenger seat of my car and drive around with it like to wherever i was going like to work or something being like i made you you didn't exist before i came into this world like <laughs> oh and it's, it's something that i recommend if you don't do it and you are a creator i recommend like just getting into that mindset because it's just capitalizes on those good feeling pride moments. And I think as cosplayers, we don't take enough time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking about um, my Riku cosplay that, I mean, at this point, I'm just, I'm just over with how it looks. Like if it, I, I admit that it, it may be a little too big, but at this point, like, I just don't care. So I'm I'm more than happy with it, but I'm like thinking about the um his jacket for for this is a Kingdom Hearts three version of Riku, like his jacket. I can wear that normal day everyday life. Why not? <laughs> I like Why not? I like, I could totally get away with that. It almost sounds like you're lying to yourself, which is really the, the, my favorite part of all of this. <laughs> no one's gonna bat an eye. No. No, but it does it does play into one of my favorite games, which is is a fashion or is a cosplay. Um, a dangerous game to play on a subway for sure. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's probably no gonna one... That's gonna raise some work when I wear this to New York on the bus or on the train right into the city. That's oh nobody wins. It's, it's a wonderful, terrible game. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be wearing a uh, spirit hood like piece of fabric for um, a Greninja that a friend of mine, a cosplayer, made for me um, as a gift when she sent me a giant package from Australia, and she made me it. But I'm like, I'm gonna wear that to the movie this week when I go see Detective Pikachu because why not? Oh sure, I mean, the movie theater attire is everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you wore those outfits. Um, so did people, when people saw your KDA Jolteon, did they know it was Jolteon? Did they know it was KDA inspired? Like, did anyone figure it out? Oh, you're, you're touching on so many nerves and you don't even know. Okay. So let me tell, let me spin you a story. All right. All right. So the course is that um i have literally i have the word jolteon written on the hat in gold like that is a thing that exists yep i'm looking at my laptop background yep it exists yep yeah it's literally written however <laughs> What I did not realize is shortly before PAX East, um, the Prestige skins came out. I did not know this because a Kali's KDA Prestige skin is a gold hologram jacket with a white fur trim around so, the collar. So it's a variant on the KDA. Oh. It's Son. a variant on a variant skin. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I had no idea. I had designed this months before, and I actually just, like, I executed it right before PAX. I had no idea this existed. And so imagine my surprise when I find out, like, because I was, like, kind of, I got a lukewarm response in person at PAX. Now, I knew there were a lot of KDA cosplayers at PAX. Um, Oh, Companies, yeah. uh, Mick Costumes had a line of KDA stuff. So there were a lot of people who either bought a pre-made thing or they made their own. Nevertheless, the convention had a lot of KDA cosplayers. Yeah. So I was wondering, I was like, 
but this one's obviously not the KDA stuff. Like it's a different skin. Like why aren't people like really taking notice? Like why doesn't anyone kind of care? And I'm like, oh, I figured it out. They don't really know who I am. They're just assuming that I am the prestige skin of a Kali, even though I have a literal sign on my head saying what I am. And it's a joking fine. patch on the back of the jacket. No, that's all right. Oh, yeah, patch on the back of the jacket. No one cared. I was like my own hype man. I was like, hey, guys, you want to see the best part? And I would just turn around and be like, boom, the patch on the jacket. Like, But this is one of those cosplays that as I think there are two kinds of cosplay. Cosplay that does very well at a convention and then cosplay that does very well online. And I was like, this one's going to be one that when you can step back and be like, oh, it's a mashup. Now I understand that usually, you know. I was like, this one I think is going to do better online than it is in person. And that thankfully has been the case because it was really awesome. Um, but once I was able to post about it and people were like, oh, that's what you were. I get it. This is great. Yeah. So the very odd, unfortunate timing of a collie somehow getting a golden prestige version of your mashup or of the original mashup kind of killed the cosplay being a oh this is going to be a big one for cons oh sure More but like, like i'm mad about it it's fine no, it's yeah. a very cool costume and it was a very wonderful thing to embark on making yeah like so to know that i can make a puffer jacket at like a moment's notice because i made that puffer jacket in 24 hours Ooh. that was well less than 24 hours because i started like some rando saturday and i ended on some rando saturday but like I made that in a day. So to know like, oh, I can make a puffer jacket in a day. That's that's the take home that I will always feel good about. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So like I said, I'm not mad. Um, I'm not just I'm not even disappointed, but like what always surprises me is when you go to a convention, which costumes are the ones that people respond positively to and which ones get like more of a lukewarm response. So Venomoth got a lot of love, which was unexpected to me because that was a costume that I didn't put a lot of like brain power into. Right. So when that one was well received, I was like, oh, really? I mean, cool, I guess. So it makes me more <laughs> hyped to wear it again. Yeah. And then Rosette got a lot of positive attention. That was the costume I wore on Saturday. All right. And then you just played it cool, casual on Sunday? Well, it wasn't, I didn't think of it as casual, but um, I think the, my favorite line from anybody at the whole convention was from Wonder Llama Photography, who was like, this is the most low-key I have ever seen you at a convention, and you're still, like, to the nines. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Um. All right. Um. Any other thoughts about Pack East? Like your time there for this year? Um. I will say that Pack East was pretty. It was more low key this year than it has been in the past, and I'm finding that these AAA titles are doing less show stoppy things at PAX, which does leave me wanting more. Um, that being said, I am seeing a shift with PAXIs to being more aware of how much the cosplayers are hungry to have a cosplay zone, a place to do photos, all of that. And yeah. I think convention is ready to start acknowledging that the cosplayers exist and that we want our space and we want to do x y or z um, this was the first year where i felt like this one area to the immediate left of the lobby which is uh, was taken over by um, some photographers this was like the first year where i felt like security didn't touch that they were like yep this is where the photographers all meet and hang out and take photos of cosplayers. It's to the left of the lobby and we're just going to let them be. 
Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what area you're talking about. And I sat there for a while charging my phone. <laughs> there were a lot of people who would sit there, which is lovely. But, like, it wound up being a great meeting place for cosplayers. Or, like, if I would sit there for a rest, because sometimes, you know, my dogs were barking. My Bowsette heels were about five-inch heels. My dogs were barking. Um, there were five-inch stilettos. It was just not a pleasant walk around a convention show oh yeah you there and be guaranteed to run into pretty much all the cosplayers i wanted to run into because we would all hang out there at some point yeah i imagine if there was a cospitality lounge that would be the other place where people would go but as i said this year we just straight up didn't have one and that was so horribly missed yeah for sure um yeah it was kind of low-key like it wasn't really anything show stopping there it's kind of like the borderland three reveal on thursday that was the big one but it was on thursday which didn't even sell out for pax tickets that can kind of tell you where the headspace of the attendees were like friday and saturday were the sellout days but Thursday and Sunday were not so much. So yeah. I thought that was a little bit of a miscalculation on the Borderlands crew part, because if they were looking for a real like bang for buck moment, I would probably sneak it until like Saturday, Friday or Saturday to be like, all right, Pax, who's ready to party? Here we go. This is a thing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know they had, they had some tournaments there for Smash Brothers. Um, other fighting games, I think, had tournaments there. Uh, and they had their Omegathon, but I didn't tune into it this year, and I feel kind of guilty. Right. Right. I, I wanted to go to a networking panel, but, uh, the line eventually got so long that, um, the room was sold out, and that if you wanted to go into the panel, you would basically have to stand for an hour. And I was like, uh, no thank you. Right, no. and just a point of clarification, sold out, you mean like it was it was filled up. Filled up, yeah. That's what I yeah. meant. There's 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 no fee to get into those panels. Yeah. Um that being said, um I can't recall whether it was because it was in his room or whether he just like managed to go, but my boyfriend actually did get to catch some some bits of this uh of one of the networking panels. Um, to catch some of the highlights. Um, oh. but, uh, I think the people who were running it were willing to like share their PowerPoints or their slides. And I can double check, but it may have been one of the panels that PAX had streamed because um, you do have an option as a panelist to allow PAX to stream your panel. Oh, okay. Make a recording of it. The smaller rooms don't tend, which is usually the smaller events, they don't tend to get streamed, but the larger rooms or the rooms where they expect that there's going to be a lot of attendees, so like a, um, a networking panel, for example, um, that does have a strong chance of getting streamed. And then, of course, all the, the main stage events yeah. were recorded as well. Yeah, this was a uh, networking for introverts panel that I wanted to try to go to, but I didn't. Um, just because I think I just wanted to hang out with my friends more and just roam around a little bit more for the day. Well, it's, it's always tough to balance at a convention. Friends versus getting information versus your own networking. It's it's a lot. Yeah, no. If I again, and I and I only went one day, so it's like if I went more than one day, yeah, I could have made the time commitment for an hour. But then again, I was just there for that Friday. I was like, ah, I kind of want to walk around more and get my fill for things and whatnot. Um, well, if you're only there for one day, sitting down for a one-hour line and then a one-hour panel represents a very large percentage of your... That's a good chunk. Right. So you almost like don't want to do that. No, because you're it's this fear of missing out. Yeah, I de I mean, I definitely want to try to make an effort to go more than one day this next year, for sure. 
Oh, it's definitely worth the while if you can get tickets, if you can get the time off. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I had for a topic to go, somewhat related to PAX Heath, um, uh, Twitch streaming. Because I know that's something that you do. Yep. Weekly, every Thursday night, which I can never go to because of work. Sad days. <laughs> yeah. And even with this new stuff happening, I still can't go. So. I do record it. So if there's ever a time where someone can't make a, um, a stream, they can always catch the reruns on my Twitch channel because I do have um, the most recent uh, shows are recorded. So right. I do have a couple of friends who are like, oh, I missed it because of work or like I missed the first half. Um, I've, I've had friends tell me like, oh, it's, it's fine. I, I just watched the, the recording. I was like, oh, okay. I'm glad you're watching it. That's why I hit record. <laughs> <laughs> so how have those been? Those have been going great. I'm really happy that I have a um, consistent crew of people who come in to enjoy the show because people coming on to like coming to the show and, um, communicating in the chat really help move and shape how the show will go. So if I'm just by myself and there's no one in the chat, I'll still have a good time and it'll still be a good show. But honestly, the difference between a good show and a great show is when we get a lot of people participating. We get a lot of people back and forth thing, even between each other. Yeah. And then I'll read out the comments and we'll have a, a fun time of it. So it's, it's fun when it's, by myself but it's way more fun if there are people um coming in and doing the live chat that's really of where it's at of course um so your main your main thing on there that you do um doodle hours so to speak yeah. and i want to say either 100 percent of the time more than half the time that the end result always becomes either a t-shirt that people can buy later on or a pen that people can buy later on or that you end up running giveaways for because I managed to win your score bunny pin that you made. I want to say maybe a few weeks ago in a stream. That so, one I actually didn't stream. So that one I feel a little guilty about. I made that score bunny design way back in like February. So super, super guilty. Um, <laughs> I don't think I streamed that one in particular, but I did do a giveaway where I had made a sticker version. So I made a little, uh, chibi version of myself in my KDA costume Right. And at the end of the stream where I had finished it. I, um, did like a random like generator to pick a person who was going to win the sticker of it. So then I mailed them the sticker. I don't yeah. always turn um, the stuff that I've been streaming into like merch for people to, that people can buy. But um, lately I have been finding that people are like, I want this. How can I get this? I want this in this form. So I'm, I'm going where the demands are. It's, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here being like, but it's all about the profits. Um, really for me, it's like, I enjoy stickers and pins and keychains, so I assume other people do too. Me too. <laughs> so if yeah. there's something I see that's fabulous enough, I'll be like, oh my god, yes. So yeah. um, the last couple of shows have been um, about taking a, uh, a chibi version of my um, Bowsette cosplay, uh, and the old goal for that is that yes I will be turning that into a keychain because I really think the drawing is super cute and I feel anytime the artist is sitting there being like I think I did a good job is usually a good thing because us artists are always like <laughs> I'm trash and I deserve every negative thing that comes my way so if there's an artist feeling like marginally okay about their product it's like oh okay that doesn't suck great <laughs> I'm a-okay with this um, have you done any streams that were centered on making cosplay items before? I feel like you might have. I have not done any streams, not because the spirit isn't willing, but because I am fearful that 
I will make the audience seasick because when I work, I work at a very dizzying pace. I understand that about myself. I've had friends come over and watch as I work. And when I really get going, I'll have like two to four stations in my house that I'm running up and down in between going from one project to the next thing to the next thing. So it's very, it's very hard for me to catch that on camera without a dedicated camera person. Gotcha. Um, advantage of doing a stream where I am uh, drawing is that I can sit down, dedicate myself to you know making sure I'm interacting with um, the fans and with the people who are logging in, um, and we can produce something in that time frame. But if I were to film me making a costume, either it would be very dizzying or there would just be chunks of it that are incredibly boring. Because if I'm making a petticoat, no one wants to log in for the six hours it takes me to make a fully realized petticoat. No. It's <laughs> boring. Nobody wants to be a part of that. So right. I, just, I don't bother with that aspect. What yeah. I do alternatively is when there's something that's worthy of filming. So if I'm doing a painting technique that's interesting or like a cool technique using a cheap and unexpected material, I'll film that and put it on a high speed. And that goes um, for my tutorials on my Patreon. So I do have some of those. It's just not something that I'm putting publicly out for um, universal consumption just because right. I wind up having to do more editing and processing with that. And so I like to make that special for my patrons. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like one thing, um, painting would be a good thing to stream because it's not, not, I don't think, I don't feel like that's too boring. Um, it depends on what I'm painting. Like I've done um, prop painting before, not on a stream, just like done on video. And suffice it to say, there are some times where you're literally just watching paint dry. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that I think is better done when you can cut to two hours from now or like, you know, let's fast forward this process because you don't need like now that you've seen me paint one spike, you don't need to see me go through the same real time painting of no. like more of them. You get the idea with the first one. Right, right. Yeah. What I have done once or twice before is I've done a pre-show for my stream where I have done like a full face makeup and then done the live stream because usually when I stream, I get into like some, uh, you know, pseudo cosplay yep. before I do it because I think it's True. just fun to dress up. Um, so I have streamed some pre-show things where it's like I'm going through the process of putting on makeup. Sometimes I do talking during it. Sometimes I don't. The first time I did it, I, I terrified some of my fans who had my stream on alert. So they thought saw I was streaming an hour early and they were like, oh, okay. And then I had friends like texting me like, oh, my gosh, do you know that you're on camera right now? Like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm I'm watching you like in your dressing room. I was like, no, I, I <laughs> it literally says on the screen, like I made a special border that was like pre-show, watch me put on her makeup. So it's like, no, 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 this is intentional. I promise it's supposed to be this way. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't do it a whole lot because I don't want to freak people out, apparently. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Oh. Because everyone's so worried for my personal safety, which, listen, I'm a big, big supporter of that. Always look out for your fellow man. Um, but, you know, no one wants to be in a situation where, like, does she know she's on camera? Oh, my gosh. What if she doesn't know she's on camera? The, how embarrassing. I have to save her for herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a lot of people just wanting to save me from myself, which, yeah. If I can't save me from myself, you're not going to make a whole lot of headway. <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work, but I don't know you're going to be successful. I can't be saved. Help. I can't be saved. I'm beyond redemption. <laughs> oh, man. We come full circle, too. I am a dumpster fire. <laughs> like every artist, I will profess my own dumpster fire attitude. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um. All right. Dumpster fire. 
<laughs> no, I'm having some serious regrets about having gone with Mink the Seder as my cosplay handle. Clearly, I should have been like Trashfire. Trashfire okay. cosplay. Does that exist? Is that a thing? That's a Google search. Yeah. Anything else you want to um, talk about? Or you want to end it on Dumpster Fire? <laughs> uh, well, so as far as I'm concerned, as far as a quick Google search is concerned, Trashfire cosplay is still available. So if you are a new cosplayer and you want in on some self-deprecating humor in the form of cosplay, you too can own Trashfire cosplay. I promise I won't take it. <laughs> I already took cosplaylaundry.com, so. <laughs> not joking. That is a domain. It redirects to my Twitch stream. It's okay. way easier than saying twitch.com slash make the Seder. I can just tell people, oh, cosplaylaundry.com. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that was one of your earlier jokes. That was, like, one of the very first stream jokes that went vaguely viral, and now it's just, like, a thing. Now it's a thing. <laughs> now it's a thing. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for the plug, by the way. <laughs> Unexpected joke becomes plug. I mean, I was gonna let you plug yourself in a couple of seconds, but um, oh yeah, if there's nothing else to talk about, uh, I think this is a good place to wrap up. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed this second look at Pax East and all the. Fun things about panels and Twitch streaming and all that. Um, thank you so much, Mink, for joining me on You're this. So welcome. As always, um, if you guys want to support me, um, you can either uh, subscribe to my Patreon, which is for free. But if you pledge, I will send you some goodies later on, as well as um, letting you become immortalized in my blog at the end of every post. Or... You can subscribe to the podcast on Anchor, which I believe has a set amount that you can subscribe for. I don't know the amount because I don't want to memorize it. Oops. Um, but that's there. And there's also my blog accounts for Twitter and Instagram, which is uh, Lightning Palace and Lightning Palace blog for Instagram, if I'm remembering it right. But um, Mink, if they want to find your stuff, where do they go? Um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I am Mink the Seder. That's S-A-T-Y-R, like the mythical being. Um, if you want to check out my store envy for some of the various stickers, buttons, and keychains that we were talking about in this podcast, it's Mink the Seder. Um, and if you would like to become a patron and see exclusive photo sets, uh, tutorials, videos, what I'm working on and designs for upcoming cosplay, you can find that at patreon.com slash minkthesader. All right. And um, I'm not, I'm in a set now where I won't say who's going to be my next guest for the next episode because I do have them planned out, but God forbid scheduling and life gets in the way and people have to reschedule because I definitely had to move people around. But um, there are. You're not ready to make a commitment. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, because I've done that before, and that has gone uh, a little bit screwy. So uh, I got two ladies set up for the rest of May. Um, some could be happening as soon as this coming week. But, um, yeah, just stay tuned, and thanks for listening, guys. Bye.